even though they've had some struggles and some challenges of late, uh, they are committed to the Lord, and they are following his leading, and so we're very thankful for all that they're doing. Uh, this morning, as we continue our, our series on the top 10, what are the top 10 things that God wants you to know? What are the top 10 things God wants all of us to know uh, as we come into these moments of worship and we come into this place of um, we're the church, the building's not the church, and so we're, we're gathering as the church. We're here to grow and learn and become. And we live in a world that is quickly, especially here in the United States, that is uh, rapidly becoming none. They don't believe in anything. And so we have such an opportunity, um, and also we have a responsibility to be able to share our faith in a loving way, because the truth of life is that the principles that God has put into practice, the principles that God has created into the universe, whether it is uh, throughout the galaxies, how they are to move and function, whether it is within our own solar system, whether it's in our own planet, all of the ecosystems, everything is absolutely meticulously created, and it has function and purpose, down to our very atoms, the protons and neutrons within our bodies. All of this is organized, and it's very complex, and it has certain purposes, And when you go against those purposes, it only brings death. And so this morning we have to recognize when we come to these top ten things God wants us to know, he wants us to know them, he wants us to live them, and he wants us to share them, because if you go outside of them, there's only death. And so it's our responsibility as followers of Christ. If you're a follower of Christ today, we need to live into these. We need to practice these. And for those that we have influence over, we need to teach them and instruct them in these ways. Uh, If if you think about it, the three greatest questions any person can ask is, where did I come from? Why am I here? And where am I going? The world says we came from nowhere. We're here for no reason, and we're going nowhere. That's the answer that so many people are hearing on a regular basis within our culture. So many people within our school system, so many people within the world around us believe that we came from nothing, that we're here for no reason, and we're going nowhere. And if you believe that, that'll affect your lifestyle, that'll affect the things you do. And so it's so vitally important that we recognize that God created us in the beginning, that his purpose is for us to know him and be in relationship with him, to be born again spiritually so that we can live uh, with him eternally, that our future is set in him eternally. I can answer that, those three questions with absolute certainty. I know where I came from. I know who created me. I know what I'm supposed to be doing today, and I know what my future holds for me. And there's peace in that. There's assurance in that there's uh there's guidance in that that the world needs to hear that your children and grandchildren and neighbors need to hear because they are frustrated and they are uh, going through so many difficulties they do not need to go through because they are resisting these truths or because they don't even know about these truths and so it's the responsibility of those who know to share with those so that though we were blind, now we see, we come along those who need to see as well. And so this is the whole point of, of really looking into these things that God has taught us. And we started out with, number one, there's only one God. Everyone wins when you put God first. So many marriages end in divorce. So many people struggle with their finances. So many people struggle in so many areas. And it's drama, drama, drama. The world is full of drama. But God says, when you put me first, I bring stability. I bring health to your your marriages, to your relationships, to your finances, to every area of life. So when you put God first, everyone wins. When a nation puts God first, everyone wins. When a family puts God first, everyone wins. We need to recognize this truth, that when you put God first, everyone wins. Second, that we're not to have any idols. We need to worship God 
and not, idol- not be idolaters. We're here worshiping. This is a worship service. Worship is giving all that you have in the direction of the focus, which to us is God. We're giving our time, our talents, our energy, our, our thinking right now. My, my prayer is that your thinking is connecting to the message of what God has. That's a form of worship. When we sing, we're thinking and, and we're demonstrating that, that through, ver- ver- through our voices, through the act of singing. That is worship. And we don't want to be idolaters to where we put our focus on money or we put our focus on things that are here, earthly things that are temporary things. That's idolatry. And when you put your focus there, you miss out on your ultimate purpose in life. Number three, we talked about do not misuse the Lord's name and, and the concept of you are carrying the name of God now. You're carrying the name of Christ. If you claim to be a Christian, that means you are Christ's follower. And when people watch you, they should see Jesus. And so it's such a, an important thing for us to recognize that, that Jesus wants us to carry his name well. And that when we talk about forgiveness, that we're forgiving. When we talk about humility, we're humble. When we talk about grace, we're graceful. When we talk about these things that we know are true, that we need to apply, that we actually apply them. Because we need to carry them well and be what we say we are. Number four, keep the Sabbath holy. We all need a holy rest. We live in a world that's like nonstop. Many people come to this part of the country because they went nonstop for 40 years, 30 years, right? Many people are trying to get out of the rat race of life because in it, there is no true life. There is stress. There is anxiety. Um, there are all sorts of health conditions. There are all sorts of mental health conditions that come if you don't rest in the holy presence of God. And so setting aside a day where we do things differently. We gather in this room. We don't gather in this room any other day. We don't gather in this room and sing songs together any other day than this day. Um, we don't gather together and say, this is our focus, except right now, because this is a holy day. And this is the day the Lord rose from the grave. We don't ever want to forget that. And so we gather and we take time out of our busy week. We work hard, but we rest in God's holiness also. And they're both equally as important. Number five, we are to honor our fathers and mothers. And for this to happen, for, a, for that honor to occur, we need to be honorable. I need to be an honorable father so my children can honor me. And they need to be honorable so their children can honor them. So the link of the chain is a chain of honor. That I have high character. I have high morals. When I say something, it is true. I don't lie. I don't steal. I don't cheat. I don't cut corners. Because I have character and that is worth honoring. And when you're honorable, your children will hopefully see that and recognize that. And they will honor you for that. But the responsibility begins with us as individuals, and then the child is is responsible, and then their children are responsible. But the honor is the most important thing, that we're honoring the Lord with our lives. And so we look now today at the concept of do not murder. Do not murder. And uh, I know many of you, I don't know all of your stories, but I'm sure that murder has affected your life in some way, shape, or form. Murder is one of those serious sins Murder is one of those things never to take lightly. Murder impacts so much more than actually just the victim. And so this morning, we're going to talk about physical murder, and we're going to talk about spiritual murder, and how when God says, do not murder, um, it has a huge ramification on all areas of life. 
And as I was thinking of this topic and, and really studying up on it, um, there's an interesting case. In 2003, there was a, a gentleman named Gary Ridgway. He had murdered 48 women. I don't know if you heard about this. It was in Seattle. And when the court case came, the lawyer and the judge had come to an agreement where if he pled guilty, the, the sentencing would be much less. He killed, he'd murdered 48 women. Um, it was one of the most heinous crimes in, in, in the history of, of that area and of our nation. And so as he comes up and he is before the court and the, the judge reads out the, the, um, the, the issues that are placed against him, all these women that have been charged, he's been charged with the murder of this woman and the murder of this woman, and he says, I plead guilty, I plead guilty. And you can watch the video. There's no emotion. There's no remorse. There's no sadness. It's just straight, I, I'm guilty, 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 48 times. And then after this, they have families, uh, fram- families and friends come and, and say they're given an opportunity to speak. And, and you hear them, the anger and the hostility and the pain that he has caused them. And yet, in the, in the midst of all of that, he sits there stone-faced, as if he's not even phased by it at all. One after the next, after the next, after the next, come and say, you killed my wife, you killed my daughter, you killed my sister. Not affected. This older gentleman comes, his daughter was murdered, and he gets... He gets to the microphone and he says, you know, it's, it's really hard what I'm about to do. It's not something that comes natural to me. But because I'm a believer in the God who created all, and because he calls me to forgive, I forgive you. And in that moment, if you watch the video, he breaks down into weeping. Because forgiveness is one of the most powerful things in the universe. And murder is one of the most evil things in the universe. And yet this man deserves the punishment that he receives. We all deserve that as well. And the power of forgiveness. And as we look at this topic of murder, we can easily say, well, I've never actually murdered anyone. But Jesus is going to show us there's a different level altogether to all of this. And so the question this morning as we dive into God's word and we ask him to saturate it with, our, with his truth is how as Christians should we deal with anger and hate? As a Christian, how should I deal with anger and hate? The truth of the fact is, let's be honest and real this morning. We didn't come here to sugarcoat things. We all have reasons to be angry at someone. We probably have, all have reasons to hate someone. As a Christian, what am I to do with that? What is God's expectation? What is he calling me to in the midst of real-life challenges? And so we're going to look at that this morning. And let's, before we go, there, let's precede it in prayer and ask God to bless us as we navigate these waters. <sighs> Father God, you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of every moment of every day. And Lord, you said that you've spoken all things into existence. You formed us in our mother's womb. You've knit us together with purpose and uh, plan. 
And, Lord, that you desire, Lord, to be our God and to be our Lord all the days of our lives. And so as we come to this topic that can be very tense, um, it can be very challenging, uh, Lord, I pray that you would soften our hearts, that we would uh, find the grace that you've given us and allow us to give that grace to others. And, Lord, I just pray that you'd speak to us, that your words would be clear and, and that we wouldn't miss out on what you have for us this morning. We thank you for your love. We thank you for even challenging topics, Lord. We thank you that that you are a good God and you reveal goodness to us so that we can live in a blessing and live in a truth that you have for us. And so, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us now, help us to understand and to apply what we learn. In Jesus' name, amen. As we begin, we, we need to consider the law. What is the purpose of the law? We've been talking about the Ten Commandments. Many courts will have uh, pillars that have the Ten Commandments placed upon them. The Ten Commandments is one of those things that's controversial in our culture. But this, this concept of why did God need to give us these Ten Commandments? What is the purpose of the law? Well, one purpose we know through the New Testament is it's to show us that we're sinners because we can't live up to it. And that we absolutely need grace. We need Christ's forgiveness because the law shows us that we're criminals in the spiritual realm. But the other point, the other purpose of a law is to give boundaries. And those boundaries are to point us to healthy places. The laws like the stoplight or uh, the stop sign, they are there to protect us. Not to restrain us or give us any kind of uh, challenge that's unnecessary or undue. They are there for a point. The laws are to benefit us, not to hurt us. And so when we come to these laws, we need to recognize these are the laws that the creator of the universe has established for us to live on purpose today. These are the laws that will exist in the future. And we are to understand them so that more we can live into them by the grace of God, by the Holy Spirit leading. The more we live our purpose, the more we live into peace, the more we live into hope, the more we live into joy. Because we understand this is God's purpose for our lives. And so as we see that, we want to go back and we look in Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. This is what the next commandment says. It says, you shall not murder. Now in Hebrew, the word is murder, not kill. Some of you may have learned this through the King James Version, and it says kill, but the actual Hebrew is murder, because murder has an intentional uh, connotation to it, that I am intentionally doing this. I am murdering you. I'm taking your life from you. I'm not just killing. Killing, you can be in an accident and kill someone. There's a lot of ways you can kill uh, unintentionally. Murder is an intentional act. And it's recognizing that this is not just a vague thing. And, and in your study, if you want to do the study, I talk about political questions of, you know, what do you do with capital punishment? And there's some verses that deal with that. What do you do with these topics that we deal with all the time? And if you want to look into that, that's in your study. I think those are very important things to know. And I think God's word has some clarity for us in those areas. But on the personal level, on the practical level, murder has a significant impact in my life. It has a significant impact. And we're going to look at the Old Testament, and then we're going to move to the New Testament. So in the Old Testament, uh, we're going to look at, at the very beginning. You have, Abraham, you have um, Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve's first two sons are Cain and Abel. And Cain uh, brings a certain sacrifice of of his vegetation, of his farm to the Lord. And, and we're not told exactly what that was, but it was an offering to the Lord. And then Abel brings a sacrifice of a sheep, a lamb, as a sacrifice to the Lord. And God says, I am pleased with Abel's above Cain's. And in doing so, it, it causes uh, bitterness 
and anger between uh, Cain and his brother Abel. And this is where we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 4, verses 6 and uh, 7. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go to the field. While we're in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opens its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crop for you. It will be a restless, you will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to, to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, Not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. And so here's the story. Two brothers, the first brothers we even have names for. And there's jealousy and there's rivalry. And God says to Cain, he says, Cain, your anger, your sin is, is it's staying right there at the door. It's knocking on your door. Are you going to let it in? Are you going to let the bitterness in? Are you going to let the anger in? Are you going to open the door? It's there. You know it's there. Are you going to let it in? And he says, if you let it in, there will be destruction. There will be a horrible outcome. What does he say to him? He says, Cain, you need to learn to master that. You need to learn to control that. You need to take that into, into submission. And what does Cain do? He opens the door to the anger. He opens the door to the, to the hatred that he now had for his brother. So much hatred that he goes and kills his brother in cold blood. And then as the Lord returns to him, what is his first response? Where's your brother? Who am I? I don't know. I'm not his keeper. Right? It's not my fault. I have nothing to do with it. He ignores it. He brushes it under the rug. He pretends like he didn't do anything. Then God brings judgment upon him. And in the midst of the judgment, what does he do? He says, God, I can't handle this. I can't handle the weight of this judgment. I can't handle the weight of this judgment. And God says, I will, I will protect you, but you will suffer for your decision. There will be a consequence for your action. And so it's an interesting story to see how Cain murder, the first murder that we know of, was brought because he opened his heart to the door of bitterness. He opened his heart to, to, the, to the sin of, of hate and murder. Interestingly enough, if you go to the end of the chapter, we're going to look at this really quickly. His great, 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 great grandson is named Lemek, who is the father of Noah. Here's what Lemek says in Genesis 4, 23 and 24. Lemek said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to me, wives of Lemek. 
He said in the second person, strange. Hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain avenged 70 to- seven times, the, then Lamech 77 times. This is the father of Noah. This is when God looks at the whole earth and he says, everyone's heart is on wicked continuously. Do you see the progression here? Do you see it went from sin was eating a fruit they weren't supposed to eat to killing their brother to Lamech saying, even if someone looks at me the wrong way, I kill them. If someone bumps into me, I kill them. And he celebrates it. And he declares it with pride. How far off from the world we live in today? But murder in the heart leads to actions. And here you find Lemek, and he's saying, if, if Cain killed Abel, I've done much more than he's done. You can multiply that by seven. I am the, the king. I am the ruler of vengeance. And in many ways, this is why God had to flood the earth. Is because the hearts had become so wicked, full of anger, hostility. There was no peace. There was no joy. There was no forgiveness. The point, the reason that God created the earth is so that we could have communion and relationship and worship him, doing so together as a human race. And we lost it all. We lost our whole purpose. And we invited anger in, and we invited hostility in, and we invited all the bitterness into our hearts, and we became murderers. And Lamech was the example of the murderer of his time. And so what do we do with this? What do we, how do we interact with the reality that bitterness can take us to a very evil place, to a very dark place? That this idea of not dealing with the problem, not dealing with the challenge, not, over, not forgiving or finding a place of peace, how it can cause so many other issues. So where do we find the answer? We find it in the New Testament in the chapter 5 of Matthew. Here's what he says. This is Jesus speaking. You have heard it. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Listen to what Jesus says here. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, Anyone who says to his brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Jesus takes this commandment that he had given as God in the Ten Commandments, do not murder. And he says, you even misunderstood. When I said murder, I wasn't just saying the physical act that Cain did to Abel. I was talking about the emotional and uh, spiritual act that you do within your soul of murdering someone because you cannot forgive them. That if you murder someone in your heart, if you murder them on a daily basis, you are as guilty as murdering them. And your heart, that sin is sin is sin, and it leads to death. It leads to death of relationships. It leads to death of potential. It leads to death of so many things in this life. But ultimately, the death that really matters for all of us to consider is it leads to an eternal separation from God, eternally separated in hell. Because we cannot receive forgiveness until we forgive others.
You see, we can murder people in our hearts. We can murder them on a daily basis. You can only murder someone physically once. Sometimes we murder people every day for years and years and years. And our thoughts are continually on the anger and bitterness we have towards them. And we are bound to that like a slave. And that is not what God desires for us. That is not what he created us for. That is not what he wants for us to live in. Verse 23, therefore, if you, off, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and reconcile to them, then come and offer your gift. What Jesus is saying, before you can worship me on Sunday, this worship isn't really all that important until you have made things right with that person or those people that you've been holding hostage, those people that you've been murdering daily in your heart. you got to get that straight, especially if it's a brother or sister that's within our body. What Jesus is saying is, I don't want your money, I want your heart. If you're going to give me an offering, don't give me an offering if it's just to give an offering. Give an offering because you love me, and before you love me, you have to show that love by loving each other. And so don't give the offer. I'm not, try, I'm not here trying to manipulate you. I'm here to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. But for that to happen, all that tension that's in you, all that anger and bitterness and hostility needs to be dealt with. And let me put this out there so this is absolutely clear. That doesn't mean you enable the person that did something wrong to you. That doesn't mean you say it's okay or you support it or you suggest that they should have done it. You just release it to God for his judgment. And you don't think of them every day. And you don't think of, you give it to God. Every time that thought comes to you, say, God, I give it to you. I'm not going to think, I don't want, I don't want to waste my, my, my precious life hating someone. I don't want to waste my precious minutes being bitter towards someone. I don't get an infinite amount of those in this life. And you know, it's hard, especially if those roots have gone really deep. And we haven't dealt with something for a really long time. It's like anything in your yard. The deeper the roots, the harder it is to get it out. But God can get it out. You just got to trust him and and be honest and be uh, willing for him to really come in and, and do a work that only he can do. Verse 25, it says, Settle matters quickly with your adversary who, who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you've paid the last penny. Jesus is saying on this one issue, you should not wait. On this issue of forgiveness, you don't need to think about it. There, there's really no other option. On the area of, of forgiveness, waiting doesn't make it better. It makes it worse. And so he says, quickly, quickly deal with this. Don't put it on the back burner. Don't put it on a note you're going to deal with later in life. I'll deal with that in another time. These are the things. Out of all the things in your life you need to prioritize, it's forgiveness. Because not forgiving will cause more issues in your life, whether it's your health, your finances, your relationships. All of these areas are affected if you do not deal in this one area. All of them are, are, are just marriage, 
finances, all of these are destroyed by bitterness and undealt with anger and hate. And so Jesus says you've got to deal with it. You gotta, and dealing with it is first, you've got to release them in your heart. And if there's some way that you can communicate to that person and say, because of my love for Christ, I have forgiven you, there is amazing power in that. There's a power that I can't explain to you. There's a freedom that I can't explain to you in this moment. You have to experience it to know it. But you must do it quickly. And what I want you to remember, write this down, take this with you, keep this, share this with other people. Quench the fire of anger and bitterness quickly and often. Quench it. Get rid of it. A couple years ago, every Christmas, uh, we would light the candles every week leading up to, to Christmas, right? And uh, every week, the candles would get a little bit shorter and a little bit shorter as we got close to Christmas Eve, where you light the middle candle. And uh, the one that we were using had a wreath on the base of it. And if you know, and it was a real pine needle wreath, okay? And I've started fighters, and I love pine needles because pine needles burn really, really good. And these things were burning down. Well, the first candle, uh, I think it's the candle of hope that we were lighting right here, I w- it was almost, it was like this. It was down to nothing. And I went to the front And at the end of the service, I would light the candles, explain to them, and then I would say a few words, and then behind me it would be burning. Well, I happened to to see some smoke behind me and look over, and the the candle had gotten so far down that it had lit the reef on fire. And I turned around, and I was trying to blow out, in front of all these people, trying to blow out this candle that was about to set the whole church on fire. Um... And I remember just those moments. It was funny looking back on it, but it was, it was scary because quickly that could have gone up and the whole table would have gone up and then we would have had some big problems. But you know, I look at that and I think about how extinguishing the candles quickly. Don't let it get down to there. Don't let it melt so far that it catches in your life and it catches on fire in your marriage and it burns up, catches on fire in your job, and it burns up. It catches on fire with your relationship with your kids and your grandkids, and that burns up. Because that's what bitterness will do. That's what unforgiveness will do. If you let it burn and burn and burn and burn, it'll get to everything else. And it will catch it all on fire, and you could have dealt with it. And so... For me, every Sunday is a reminder. I want to remind you, forgive someone. Forgive them. You know, what's interesting is as we go through this, the only thing God reiterates in the Ten Commandments is basically you will be forgiven if you forgive others. The only thing that Jesus reiterates in his teachings is if you forgive, you will be forgiven. If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. This isn't essential to the spiritual life. This isn't essential to following God. And so I would encourage you, quench the fire of anger and bitterness quickly and often. Quench the fire of anger and bitterness quickly and often. Don't let it burn. Don't let it grow. Don't let it consume other areas of your life. 
The final verse we're going to look at is Matthew 18 because it fulfills the whole Old and New Testament. This is Jesus with his disciples and Peter came to him and verse 21, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, there's different translations there, but it is the same translation as when you look back to Lamech, the father of Noah. And he said, I will kill 70 times 7. I will kill 75, 70, uh, 77 times. And Jesus says, no. That's the way of the flesh. That is the way of sin. The, the real way of grace is you forgive 70 times 7. You keep forgiving. Keep forgiving. And here's what you do. Instead of murdering them in your heart, you love them in your heart. And maybe it's not even that. Maybe you love other things. Maybe you love the things of God more. Instead of hating the sin of this world that, that has, has caused harm upon you, you don't focus on what's hurt you. You focus on the good blessings that God is giving you every day. You focus on the good, forgive the bad, and let God be just. You know what I've realized? God's solution to hate is forgiveness. God's solution to hate is forgiveness. And here's what I know. I know that I can understand justice at a certain level, but God created it. If I know that I I try to be as just as possible in my life, and I'm sure you try to be as just as possible in your life. Isn't God much more just than we are? We don't have to worry. All these things, well, they'll get away with it. They can't get away with it. I've got to make sure they're punished for it. God will make sure that what sin is done is dealt with. No one gets away with anything. Hitler didn't get away with it. Mussolini didn't get away with it. These people will not get away with it. Because there is an ultimate judge of the universe that will every man, woman, and child will stand in front of. And there will be absolute justice served to every single human. This is actually one of the, the true beautiful things about following Christ that the world cannot offer. The world cannot offer justice. Because the world believes you die and disappear. Then whatever acts you do in this life or whatever penalties you have in this life is the only justice that will be served. But following Christ, we recognize that true justice will be served for all people. And you don't have to be the judge. You don't have to hold that in. Forgive them and hand them over to the true judge. The one that can truly bring righteousness to every situation. And so how do you apply this to your life? Here's what I would say. Commit what you believe about the origins, purpose, and destiny of your life. Commit it every day. God, you created me. God, you have a plan for this day for me, and I want to follow it. And I trust that your future is is absolutely what you've told me, that I will be with you eternally in your home forever. Commit to that. Don't waver on that. Don't, don't be uh, on one side or the other. Be committed. This is where I came from. This is why I'm here. This is where I'm going. And in knowing that, then it's, it becomes much simpler to be a forgiving person. It's much simpler if you recognize the purpose of your life is partially to be forgiving and, rec- and to show other people Christ. And secondly, 
that forgiveness is going to lead to justice, and God will deal with the issue anyway. And so we need to commit to that, and not just talk about it, not just say I believe it, but be deeply impacted into who I really am. Number two, quench the fire of anger and bitterness quickly and often. Quench the fire of anger and bitterness quickly and often. Just because we're followers of Christ, just because we've been twice born, doesn't mean the sin of bitterness and anger are going to avoid us. If anything, as a Christian, the enemy will attack us even more strongly with bitterness and anger. And so we need to be on our guard to extinguish anything that even smells of bitterness or anger within our hearts. And then finally, find peace before you worship. Before you give, before you sing, before you come here, find peace with everyone in your life. If I said your enemy did this, you'd say, I don't have any enemies. I don't know who you're talking about. There's nobody in my life that I'm holding hostage. There's nobody in my life that I'm murdering in my heart. I have forgiven everyone. I've given them all to the Lord to be dealt with. I'm focused on what he has for me. I'm focused on the future he has for me. I'm focused on the beautiful life that he is laying out for me. I have no concern about those that you may think I would. To do this, we can't do this naturally. Naturally, in our sin state, we're going to be bitter and we're going to be angry. And we're going to hold it against people. And we're going to want revenge. There's only one way that we can truly be healthy in this area. And that is to be twice born. To be born of the Spirit. At some point in your life, you need to confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Repent of your sin and believe. And when you, when you do that seemingly simple act, the God of the universe in his spirit comes and dwells within you. And supernaturally, the nature of God begins to work in your life. And he begins to help you to be a forgiving person. And a gracious person. And a person that is slow to anger and quick to forgiveness. What is God saying to you right now? What is God telling you? Psalms 32.1 says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are covered. There's no greater blessing in life than knowing you're saved. There's no greater blessing in life than knowing that all the anger and whatever sin you've had or have in your life is covered by the blood of Christ. Focus on that. Be thankful for that. Get so busy in your life worshiping God and loving God, you have no time to be bitter or angry. Fill your thoughts and your heart with the things of God and extinguish any type of anger, any type of sin that may be burning or wanting to be ignited. Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful that you are gracious. And Lord, as a, even as I 